Hey, my name is Elisa Kay, and I'm here to teach you how to rise above the noise and say yes to owning an unforgettable, impact-making business. On this podcast, you'll learn how to harness the power of your unique story and use magnetic marketing tools so that you can confidently own your place in your industry. Get ready to transform your marketing to reach more people and finally feel authentically you online. It's time to grow your business with purpose. This is the Own Your Message podcast. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This week, I am back with Casey. Hello, everyone. And we are talking about how to create and stick to a strong quarterly plan that brings in revenue and clients for your business. Because it is a new quarter. Yeah, so it's an important thing that we will be doing ourselves in the next week. Yeah, exactly. And I think that sometimes it feels like if you don't have a plan on day one of quarter two or three or four or even one, it may feel a little bit overwhelming, like you're running behind the train versus steering it at the front, you know? And I really wanted to chat with you today about what a quarterly plan actually is, why it's important for you to know, and the consequences of really not planning out your quarter in the right way. Because I think that a lot of the time, if you are anything like me and you are allergic to the word planning or structure or anything <laughs> <laughs> anything that is to do with that, then I would guess that you don't like having a rigid, a rigid anything in your life, right? And a lot of us entrepreneurs start our businesses because we don't necessarily thrive in those structured environments. There are two things that I see most often. You've either been in the corporate world and, you know, bossed it like Casey, who was like, I'm bored there is there is nothing more I can improve here that doesn't require me overhauling the whole industry. Um, or you're anything like me and you're like, ugh, I'm running this show and this doesn't make any sense. I am doing a CEO's job and I'm not the CEO. So I think coming from those two perspectives, I think it's quite common to not have those rigid structures and systems in place because it almost feels like, oh, am I going back to a corporate structure? Am I going backwards while implementing those things? And, you know, the the results that we've had with our clients and even with my coaching clients before Casey and I ever started working together really stemmed from hosting these quarterly uh, VIP days with with the people every single quarter and going through, okay, we planned this at the beginning of the year. Let's look at what your quarter looks like. What are your goals? What's your lifestyle blueprint? What is it that you're going, you know, to be wanting to achieve? And is that still in alignment with the original plan that we had? And having those check-ins has genuinely revolutionized my coaching practice. I think I've spoken to you about this actually in the past, where a few years ago, I became obsessed with client results. Like I was like, I'm going to put my clients first. I'm going to stop focusing on me, me, me and really put my, my people first, right? And figure out how I can get them the best results. And one of those things was sticking to a quarterly plan and really using that as the metric for success. Yeah. And I think when a lot of entrepreneurs, especially start their own businesses, you know, a lot of us are addicted to the word freedom. And we like to think about, you know, what would our lifestyle look like if we weren't chained to a nine to five, five days a week? And so I think a lot of people start their journey by rejecting structure and plans. And then you end up getting lost in your own business. 
And so what we found is having at least at least a quarterly plan. <laughs> and I would argue for many other kinds of plans as well. <laughs> surprise, um, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> but at least a quarter, quarterly plan helps you, like Elisa said, know know when you've been successful and understand what your success metrics actually are. And to be honest, for a lot of us perfectionists, to help us not put too much pressure on ourselves for not doing all the things all the time on day one. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting thing as well where... If you have those quarterly signposts, you can measure your success and therefore course correct a lot faster than if you're working off one plan that you created in January and, you know, fast forward to September and you still haven't even made any indent on that yearly plan. And then you're leaving yourself not enough time and you're beating yourself up for the fact that, oh, it's September now. And I still haven't done anything. So I always like to use this second quarter, which is when we're in at the time of this recording in the business to really look at, okay, here is what we set out in our, you know, big visionary VIP day and VIP day, VIP island vibe week (laughs) that we recorded a podcast about at the beginning of this year. Okay, but here are all of the plans that we created. Here is where that structure and creativity mix are we still on that same journey? Are we still working towards our same goals or have we veered off slightly? And to be honest with you, by the end of this quarter, we'd sort of veered off slightly. And it was a really, really useful exercise to sit down yesterday and look at, okay, well, what does our quarter actually entail? What's the plan that we're working towards? And it enables us to then have that you know, day together where we are fully planning out our, our quarter in a different way and it isn't just like an hour-long conversation. But I thought it would be really great to show you how we talked about creating our quarterly plan meeting and really get you to see the, the fact that structure as a business owner isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, most CEOs... When, you know, when the company, this is a really interesting example, actually, most CEOs, when the company goes public or when it grows beyond a certain level, get fired, right? The board removes them. Why? Because there is a there is a moment in a business where the CEO has to create that structure and has to get out of a zone of creativity. And I think that there is a balance as a small business owner to having both and helping your business thrive in the right way. Because if you don't have the balance and you're way too creative all the time, then nothing gets executed. But if you're too strict and too structured, then of course there is no innovation and no inspiration and no fun. So I think the sweet spot in creating your plans is, number one, approaching it with fun, but number two, understanding that there is a sweet spot between those two things. It's not just, oh, we have to have all the structure, and it's not just, oh, we have to have all of the creativity which I think it's different points in my life, I was on either side of that scale. So I can very easily spot when an entrepreneur is in either one zone or in another. Yeah, I think so. And, and me as well. I think I, I would be surprised if, if there was someone who wasn't on this journey, who had never thought about the difference between your the freedom of creativity and the structure, be it very strict structure or you know how to implement Um, So I wanted to talk about why a strong quarterly plan even matters in the first place. Um, And one of the things to think about the benefits of a strong quarterly plan is the time management aspect. I think there are two different ways of using your time in your business. The first is the 
actual reven revenue generating time. So this is the time that you're using um, for client work or, you know, you're working on something that's specifically going to bring in revenue into your business. That's something that, you know, we all know we have a business, we need to make money. You know, that's the easy work. What we don't think about often is the time that you need to work on your business that isn't necessarily revenue generating. So I'm talking about, for those of you who've worked in the corporate world, those non-billable hours. These are things that we, we have even more of when we're small business owners is because we're often wearing all the hats. When this, it starts to become complicated, when you don't have a plan, when you feel like you need to be solely working on your revenue generating hours, and you start to lose sight of the amount of time that you have to work on your business. Or the flip side is you spend so much time working on your business that you never actually do any revenue generating things. So having a strong quarterly plan and understanding what are the things you're trying to achieve both internally in your business and as a revenue generating activity helps you move that forward. Yeah, and I think it also leads a little bit to burnout if you're doing one or the other. If you're spending all of your time focusing on revenue, 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 and you're never building out those strong foundations or systems, then you're never getting ahead of your of yourself and you're forever doing client work. So it's like a catch-22 where you feel like, oh, I'm on, on this groundhog day path where it's like eat, sleep, client work, repeat, you know? And on the other hand, if you're forever learning, 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 like I, I went through this phase in my business for a few months where I, I, you know, bought all the courses and then, oh, I looked up and at the end of the quarter, I'd made no money because I was so busy learning all the stuff, you know, there has to be that balance. Um, and I think that there are loads and loads of consequences of not actually having a plan and not understanding its importance, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the big things is delegation, right? If you don't know what you're working towards, how do you know what things in your business you can easily delegate? And whether you actually have the money and the budget to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, if you are working with a team, if you are delegating to other people, you know, trying to not give them whiplash either is, you know, what's, you know, if, if project A starts on Monday and project B starts on Tuesday and then by Thursday we've thrown it all out and now it's project C. And we're not speaking from experience here at all. Um, <laughs> you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, when your when your work start to work with other people, it then becomes even more important to understand what are you all working towards and creating those common goals in the business and not just individual goals. Yeah, and I would say that, you know, when I started delegating, when I was just a copywriter, so I didn't even really have any business structures in place at all. It was just sort of me, myself and my creativity creating these funnels for, you know, six and multiple six figure entrepreneurs way back when. I wanted to delegate some things and I really mismanaged my budget where one of the one of my favorite horror stories and actually really my only terrible client story in that business was when uh, the client charged back about 10k worth of work turned out that that was a pattern for her but that's a whole other there's a whole other story for a different podcast but the point is is that I'd spent you know a good nine and a half grand of that work outsourcing other things because it was such a huge project and I hadn't made the plan or really thought about any of my numbers and it really put me into a dark dark situation because I didn't have a coach or any support or any or, or any course really that could help me navigate that 
And if I'd had a better plan in place, I don't think that situation would have happened because I would have known what the revenue of the business was and basically help, like it would have helped me mitigate those those problems that I, you know, I help mitigate service providers all the time now based on that experience and based on that really terrible um, situation where, you know, there are going to be situations where sometimes you don't attract the right clients or whatever it may be. Or sometimes you don't attract the right team members. So maybe you've outsourced before and they didn't do a great job and you have to outsource it again or you have to fix that mistake. That's all time and money that is taken away from your business. So where is that, you know, time and budgeting comes from? It might not be the sexiest topic or even the easiest to summarize, but it's those are the CEO things that we have to talk about as business owners to have a sustainable and flourishing business that can actually evolve with you versus you capping it all the time. So you may be saying this is all fine and good, but how do you actually create a quarterly plan? How do you set achievable goals that you know you're not just setting yourself up for failure over and over again? Um, so there are four types of goals that I like to make sure are implemented in each quarter. And that's not to say that all of them are equally important. I think they change in, in um, priorities over the quarters, but I like to ha- make sure that we're doing four, we're doing activities towards each of these four things. So the first thing is audience growth or acquisition. So what are the, what are the activities in your business that are helping grow your audience, your client base, um, your customer base, whatever it is that you identify. The second is engagement or nurturing. So how do you keep your leads warm? How do you keep your audience engaged with you and your brand? Um, What are those activities that you're doing in that quarter that are leading towards um, nurturing your audience? The third is obviously revenue. So how much revenue are you hoping to achieve in that quarter? What are the activities you're going to do towards gaining that revenue? And then the final thing is reputation. How are you building name recognition for your brand? What are those activities that are going to go towards those things? Yeah, I like to think of it as rare. Yeah. <laughs> like the, yeah, the, rare, the yeah. rare skill set that you need to actually hit your goals quarter on quarter. Um, and I think Casey put like points something really, really important out here is that every single quarter we'll focus on one of those things more than the other because there are going to be lulls and and periods where, for example, like we like to take most of the summer off. So it's really important to us that all of like, you know, for example, like reputation and revenue gets done in quarter, let's say three, you know, and things that can happen on autopilot, like audience growth and engagement can happen in, in towards the end of that quarter. Um, so it's really, really important that you understand what your lifestyle goals are so that you can actually put a plan in place that works with what you want. Because as a CEO, that's one of the best things that you get to do is make sure that you are focusing on what you want. You know, you're the you're the queen of your kingdom. Yeah. And I think if you have activities that go towards each of those four things, um, continually running, you can have a better idea of what it is you need to do in your business and what you know is going to happen in the future that you don't need to stress about right now. I think one of the traps we get stuck in is you sit down and you think, oh my God, I need to work on the SEO of my website and I need to write 150 blog posts and I need to write all of the emails and all of the social and you know record 750 podcasts. And you know, I mean, it, it, it can feel really overwhelming and then you start to think, well, that's not even revenue generating and how am I gonna do all of these things? Um, and having a, 
having an understanding of what activities go into each of those metrics and then prioritizing based on that so that you know whatever you're doing, you're at least covering your bases and your business. And like Elisa said, sometimes you might have more time, sometimes you might have less time. Maybe you're really heavy revenue generating one quarter because you've got a huge client project that's come in. And then, you know, that gives you the freedom to in the next quarter. Um, you don't need to worry so much about revenue because you've got some from the last quarter. And then you can focus more on maybe reputation and working on speaking at summits or conferences or things like that. So yeah, so I like to th look at each of those four metrics and then for each quarter figure out which is the one that we're going to focus on the most. So understanding that the other three are secondary and then which one is the focus. And obviously revenue sort of has a little asterisk next to that because for most cases revenue is always important. But it's sort of the difference of if you're in a, a launch strategy, for example, you may have a big launch in Q3 and then revenue becomes the main, main thing, um, whereas Q4 might be a little quieter for that, but you may using that be using that for audience growth because you're going to do a lot of promotions around Christmas, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I think most people just can't see it for themselves. Like even I struggle with mapping that quarter or that year out without having, you know, accountability and someone else to ideate with, because a lot of the time you're like, well, you know, I think this will take me a week, but realistically it might take you a month. And I think it's really difficult. You might be able to see it for your clients, but it's really difficult to see it and to estimate it for yourself without that voice of reason being like, well, hang on a second. Didn't you just say that you wanted to have most of July off? How is that going to happen in that time space that you're talking about? You know, so I think it's really, really important for you to think about what what are the goals that I have for the year? And um, do I have the metrics and the filter to be able to actually make those decisions effectively by yourself? Or are you capping the growth of your business by not having that filter and by not being able to make those decisions effectively or in a way that actually would build your business in the right way? Yeah, I think that's a great point. So Elisa, this is all great and all, but how do you stick to a plan? <laughs> <laughs> how do you stick to a plan? Burn it to the ground. No, joking. <laughs> kidding don't do that don't do that don't do that um i think that this is a question that is so personal and this is why i was so passionate about creating vip days with my clients who were on ongoing coaching programs and actually in fact you know spoiler alert anyone who becomes a coaching client usually we will start with the vip day because it takes a lot long to look under the hood of the business and under the hood of your mindset i think that this is really where coaching strategies and having a, a lifestyle prologue is what I call it. It's like figuring out where are you at and what is it that you're actually working towards and then putting those mechanisms in place to alert you and your brain of where you're sabotaging yourself. In most cases, when you create a plan, you're like, oh, okay, well, this is simple. And then the shiny object squirrel comes and visits your train and before you know, two, three weeks later, you're like, I haven't even started the thing, which is where I think that having a one sheet page of metrics and goals that you're working towards is so, so, so important. There are places in your business where there is time for ideation. That's where we do our, you know, team retreats. That's where we ideate. And there are spaces in your calendar where you look at the strategy of your business. Those are two very, very different spaces 
And it's your job as the CEO to keep yourself accountable. And sometimes that's really, really difficult when you don't have that support network and you don't have that, you know, external accountability. For example, as a, as someone who understands I need to be accountable to a trainer or a schedule, like if I book a class for the gym in my app, I'm accountable to that because I know I'm going to get fined <laughs> if I don't go. <laughs> right. I think it's there. there is... There is a section in our VIP days where we figure out what motivates you and how you like to be kept accountable. And it, that really varies client to client, which I know is not necessarily useful advice for you on the other side. But that comes from you understanding yourself and knowing what is it that drives you to to do things and what is it that takes your energy away? So for me, like the most the the most effective way of staying on track with my plan, is having that external accountability. It's why I give people Voxer access, as an example, with everything, with most things that we do with like one-to-one -one people. Um, because that is something that I find really useful, right? For some clients will never ever use that feedback channel, but others will use it daily, you know, um, or use it weekly, however helpful it, it may be for them. Um, I think that the other thing that is really, really useful for sticking to your plan is to actually have a plan that you can feasibly achieve. So it goes back to understanding how many working days do you have? How many, you know, what's on your calendar? How long has have these projects taken you, you know, in the past? And again, I think it's really, really useful to sit down and figure that out. And like, that's work on your business, not in your business. And sometimes it's really, really difficult to be able to see it. If you're just there with a Google Doc thinking, huh, doop -doo -doo, what do I do next, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And I think it's it's probably the most honest thing you have to do in your business is you have to be really honest with yourself about how long things actually take. Because I think we all have in our mind how long things we think should take. Like we think that something should only take us four hours. But in reality, it doesn't. It might take 10, 12 hours. But if we've only given ourselves four hours to work on it, this is where you're going to start to fail and where you're going to start to feel overwhelmed. You're going to burn yourself out. So it's one of those coming up with a plan is one of those moments where you have to be really honest with yourself. And it's not just in an ideal world how, you know, and I'm in perfect health and no distractions and the weather's horrible outside, so I don't want to go out anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> then how long would it take me? Or, you know, what's the reality of the situation? Is it, you know, oh, I more often than not have to go do run an errand during the day or you know how many real hours do I actually have to work and how many real hours does this does this activity actually take yeah and I think that you know on a on a personal note it was really difficult to have that additional person to be accountable to in a different way in the business which I think gets into like hiring mode if you're someone who wants to expand your team and wants to hire a virtual assistant like one of the one of the things that I ran into really really early on is that I just assumed that everyone had superhuman speed abilities like I do and I recognize that that is a that, that is a character flaw in many ways you might be laughing, like, how can be, be having superhuman speed be a character flaw? But it meant that my expectations for other people's work were really skewed and unrealistic, you know? And you have to give people a process to follow and you have to give people, you know, step-by-step -step instructions because when you're creating that quarterly plan, you have to give yourself the room to do those things, 
based on whatever your project plans are. So for example, when we do planning VIP days, we don't just look at your quarterly plan, we look at your strategy as a whole, and then we narrow it down into what's the first thing that you need to take off your plate to make that strategy actually feasible. And again, it's like, it's the my favorite thing to do in the business, but probably the least sexy because in my head, you know, the math is easy. Understanding your conversion conversion rate is easy. It's just a formula that you follow. It's like, oh, okay. And this is actually a conversation that, funnily enough, to me, the math is easy or it's like, well, this is the formula. And Casey's like, but why? Spirituality (laughs) says that we operate outside of the laws of the universe. And I'm like, well, the math says otherwise, which you would think would be the other way around, right? (laughs) You'd be like, Casey is the numbers person. But actually, I find it really, really easy to look at a business and look at the patterns and look at the numbers that people have and be able to work out, okay, so you talk to X amount of people, which gives you X amount of of leads, which gives you X amount of conversations, which means that you have X amount of revenue over this time period. And oh, look, you have this much drop off. Like those are the things that I can really, really easily see. And I think that that is really an underrated skill set for a lot of um, for a lot of businesses, like the most healthy businesses have those numbers at hand, and they understand their numbers really, really well. And I think that part of the reason I'm good at that is because I've had this quarterly mapping system in the business for a really, really long time. So there hasn't been a year where we haven't either hit our numbers or been in profit, you know, at the very, very least, because to me, the number one goal has to always be revenue, which is, again, a difference in opinion (laughs) for the two of us. But I'm like, revenue, we want to focus on making money because the more money we make, the more people we help. And the more money we make the more we're able to actually hire other people, implement structures, inc- implement processes. And that doesn't necessarily mean that every business needs to focus that way. And a lot of our clients don't put the revenue goal first every single month or every single quarter rather. But I think it's something worth thinking about. It's like, are you going to be able to hit your yearly plan if you don't have your numbers and if you don't understand how much money your business needs to make to help you not only survive, but also thrive. And I think what becomes really useful if you have consistent quarterly plans is your ability to then look back retrospectively at your plan, at your plans from previous quarters and based on and look at the activities you actually did and then see where did you move the needle. So say, for example, Q2 was very revenue focused and you were like, I'm going to put everything aside and just focus on revenue generation for this month. And then you did five times as many activities, but your revenue needle only moved, you know, it only doubled instead of five times. I don't know the word for that, (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I mean? Um, Then that's an opportunity to sit down and say, okay, well, then what worked and what didn't? And then if you know in the future you want to double your revenue, you know what two activities you need to do instead of doing all five. And that's a good way to get into that cycle of saying what worked, what didn't, what would I change after every quarter? Because then you can start to make better decisions moving forward and you can choose activities that you know are going to be more impactful than things that you've tried out in the past. Yeah, definitely. And also understanding that as a business owner you you know you want to innovate you want to bring new things to the table but if your plan doesn't have room for that or if your plan isn't focusing on on that innovation 
being able to make decisions better and more efficiently means that you are you are always aligned with whatever is on your plan and there's also room for growth. So the questions that I would ask people would be, okay, well, let's pick like the one specific goal, right? And let's break that down into sub goals for each category in your business and let's look at your numbers next. And then how are we going to chunk that down into smaller projects and where is that going in your calendar? When you put it that way, it sounds pretty simple, but most of the time, it's a lot harder because none of none of the entrepreneurs that I know f- and work with really, really, really well, you know, they have this love-hate relationship with their calendar where they, I, they, they've either time-blocked themselves to their eyeballs and there is no room for creativity or they're all creative all the time and therefore nothing gets done. And I think sometimes it's the sticking to your plan. It's understanding that if it's not on your calendar, it's not happening. And you have to not only communicate the expectations for yourself, but for your team. As an example, with this podcast, we, you know, didn't really agree on a specific time. It was a bit fluid, but, you know, the studio had a specific time and our amazing podcast editor who shout out to Lexi. We love you, Lexi. Thank you so much. (laughs) We Uh, love you, Lexi. Yeah. um, He had an appointment at the end of the day, right? So if it's like if that isn't communicated to all of the parties involved, then it creates strife in the plan, aka on the plan for the quarter, it's recording the podcast on this day. So th- the decisions that you make, if it's not on your calendar, and if it's not communicated in the right way, will affect other people and therefore will affect your output as the CEO. So it's like a really tiny example of how your plan is really, really important to actually executing the things that you need to execute as the driver of your business. So to wrap up, Mm. do you have any tips on incorporating marketing and sales strategies into your plan? Uh, All the tips in the world. Do you have 3,000 hours? (laughs) Um, That's a really, really good question. I think that one of the best um, tips that I can give you is to focus on What is the main goal of the quarter? What am I trying to achieve here? And then thinking about what are the the strategies that we can put in place, right? So there are, the way that I usually like to look at it is like, what are the two tried and true tested things that we know work? And what's one thing that you can figure out and innovate? I love that. So it's like two of the things that we know, as an example, will bring revenue into the business are, let's say, A and B. And then I want to try C because I've never tried C before. So this is how I started, let's say, launching or creating digital products. I knew that I had, you know, my services business down pat. I knew that I had clients. It wasn't an issue of finding new people to work with me because people generally come to us and they're like, you know what, I'm ready. And I, by the way, I believe that all of our clients are big girls who can make really effective decisions and I don't have to chase people because people come to us, right? So I think that when you're in that space in your business, then you're really ready to do one of two things. Either digitize your ex- your expertise or start to build out your team to be able to be more effective in that process, right? And there are different stages in your business. And if you're not there yet, then that it's, it's not necessarily a, a terrible thing. It's just something for you to think about. Like, how can I put a different marketing strategy in place so that the people do come to me, right? But if you're in that first category, let's say you have two methods that are tried and true. Maybe you have a referral email that you send out every quarter and maybe you have, you know, um, your podcast brings in leads every single month. 
But let's say that you are like, huh, you know what? I would really like to figure out how to use short form content. So your third strategy might be creating different hooks for your short term content, right? And that would be something that we would drill down and figure out what your messaging is, you know, on a minute type of detail. So it's always do the things that you know work and don't finish doing them, right? Don't just stop doing the things that work and innovate by introducing something new so that if it doesn't work, you know that your referral email or you know that your podcast will bring you clients. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's that really is the value of having a quarterly plan in the first place is it gives you that space to to try out new things. And, you know, to be honest, as small business owners, we have to be at the forefront of these things. We have to be on it. We have to be um, making sure that we're innovating as as often as we can because, you know, we are a little more impacted by larger economic issues or, you know, these things sort of happen and they can happen quite quickly. And, you know, in order to build a robust business that's sustainable um, we need to know sort of what works what doesn't work and what we what we have to do now and what we can work on in a future month or two or three or next year yeah definitely and one of the things that I really love to do with clients as well is to look not only at the strategy not only at the calendar but also look at what are the patterns that they've had in previous years or months for when things happen in their life. For example, one of our clients, all of the, the their kids' birthdays happen in March. Her and her husband, you know, clearly uh, have celebrations <laughs> this entire year. <laughs> so kids all have birthdays within like two weeks of each other. <laughs> I love you. I know you listen to the podcast, so I'm just shouting you out. Um, but that's a really interesting thing because it basically means that three weeks out of out of that quarter, you know, she's not doing as much in the business. So therefore it becomes like mitigating mitigating those three weeks or putting the lifestyle blueprint in place. And I think that it's a combination of understanding that there are going to be socioeconomic things that are going to affect the things. There are going to be your life things that affect the things. And there are going to be, you know, you as the person with your own stuff affecting the things. And sometimes it, it's really, really useful to to sit down and, lo- and look at it honestly. And I think you're definitely right, Casey. It's one of the most honest periods or the, one of the most honest conversations that you can have with yourself. Um, and lots more business owners need to to have those honest conversations with themselves about where they're at and what they're they're focusing on and what they actually need to put at the forefront of their plan. Because if you're not, you know, if you're not making money, then it needs to be revenue. If you're making a lot of money, then perhaps it needs to be, you know, reputation or it might might be something else. It depends on your specific situation, which is why that's one of the things that I love doing most with clients because it's very individualized. You can't just have, you know, a blueprint that you follow. Your blueprint will be very different to our blueprint. If you're inspired to write a quarterly plan, or if you have any questions about quarterly plan, please do reach out to us. Um, you can find Elisa on Instagram at Elisa K Coaching, and if you have questions for me in particular, Elisa will pass them on. <laughs> <laughs> the quintessential person behind the scenes. Yes. Talk to Elisa. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> No, I I kid. Casey's very lovely. (laughs) But yeah, I've definitely, please do reach out to us. um, And if you want some help 
with your quarterly plans or if you even want, you know, a keen eye to look over your quarterly plans, do, yeah, drop us a DM. Yes, and we'll speak to you next week. For now, I hope you have an amazing start to your quarter and an unforgettable day. stuck in a loop of cookie cutter content feeling like you can't find your voice or the confidence to show up authentically good news magnetic mavens is here to help you be unforgettable our membership will get you to break free from the monotony of copycat content and find your unique power story in this membership you'll create a consistent writing habit to stay ahead of your content creation and take back control of your plan without any of the overwhelm it's time to leave the bland and boring content behind and own your message with integrity and fun. Join the Magnetic Mavens today. Head to alisa-k.com forward slash magnetic to register right now.